Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Seek First podcast with Stephen Jordan. We're glad that you joined us once again. Uh, today's episode is going to be talking about remaining kingdom-minded during chaos. I think it's a fitting uh, title for what is going on in the world right now, uh, but just in general, not just this current season we find ourselves in, uh, but also just in all time. There's always something going on that keeps our eyes off of, uh, sometimes off of what God desires for us. Uh, and what are some of the topics that you wanted to talk about yourself, uh, Jordan? What did you want to kind of get into uh, when it comes to this specific topic? Yeah, I think with this specific topic, uh, as I was kind of thinking and praying about this conversation, what I saw as fitting to discuss was both prayer and silence and solitude. Um, I think we see, as we'll get into scriptures, uh, those themes all throughout scripture, uh, both as a reactive measure to the chaos in the world and keeping our minds and hearts fixed on the Lord, but also a proactive measure as like a rhythm of life built in so that we do stay kingdom minded. Yeah, our world can definitely be very busy, um, very distracting. I find myself watching news uh, probably too much and uh, it can really consume my mind. Um, I think in in our culture, we have a tendency to um, stay busy and also fill silence. Um, when you get in the car, a lot of people, the first thing that they will do is turn on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they get home, the first thing they do is turn on the radio or turn on the TV or find something to, to fill that silence because we don't like silence, especially as Americans. Now, when So when you talk about silence and solitude, not just you, obviously this is something that's been talked about for generations after generation, right? But uh, if you can give us just kind of an idea of what, what you think, biblically speaking, uh, silence and solitude would consist of and also its purpose. Yeah, I think the uh, the narrative that it's pulled from, it, it's a lot of it's pulled from Jesus's life, but also the people of God throughout the narrative mm-hmm. of Scripture. Uh, but specifically within the Gospels, it often says that uh, Jesus went to the Eremos, which is the Greek word, and it can be translated as desert or lonely place or quiet place. And it's just the term for where Jesus went to pray. Um, Jesus went on the mountain to pray. Jesus went into the woods to pray. Certain uh, passages throughout the gospel where it says Jesus went to pray. And basically how it's been defined in my experience is a time alone with God and yourself. Uh, As time alone to step away. And if you think about a a cup of dirty water and you kind of swirl it around and the sediment is is floating throughout the water, and then you give it time to settle, and all the sediment settles down to the bottom of the cup. Uh, when we stop long enough to be alone with God and ourselves, to be in the Eremos, um, that happens to our hearts as well. It's time to slow down, like you said, time to be out of the busyness and the chaos of the world, um, and to really come to rest in the presence of God. I think we, uh, the concept of rest, like it scares us. Like we're afraid to rest as mm-hmm. if, uh, then you have the laziness, which is the opposite of that. Right. And we're not talking specifically about that type of issue. What laziness 
being the absence of busyness or yeah so when you think of scripture and you think about um, being intentional with this it's not just a matter of just like sleeping necessarily obviously Mm -hmm. right it's a matter of connecting with god um, being intentional with that connection reflecting on god and yourself and what's going on in the world in your own heart Uh, what are some scriptures that you kind of looked up and studied as you were thinking about silence and solitude and kind of keeping a kingdom mind in a chaotic world yeah, I think First uh, Kings 19, which I know you're going to get into later um, and also would have gotten into this past weekend during our gathering. Uh, but First Kings 19, Elijah is uh, facing some chaos, if you would, and he goes far away. He goes a day's journey into the wilderness to um, process what's going on, and he's also just overwhelmed with all the things that have happened to him and being pursued and, and whatnot, and he has time alone to be with the Lord. Um, and then some of the scriptures I was mentioning about Jesus, um, Luke five sixteen, it says, but he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. And that's in the ESV. And in the NIV, that's translated, he would often withdraw to lonely places to pray. And that lonely places or those desolate places, uh, that is the word aremos. Um, and this comes specifically within Luke six, Luke five sixteen. This comes right after Jesus has just cleansed another leper. You know, he's begun his ministry. He started bringing the kingdom of God to bear upon the earth, and he's healing people. And his his says his fame was spreading. Uh, Luke five fifteen. Just before that verse says, but now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So Jesus's popularity is rising. Uh, people want to be healed, understandably so. And Jesus wants to heal them. And But he hears of this, and it's almost like he knows, I need to go be with my father. And like, I'll, I'll get to this work that he's called me to, but first I need to go spend time with him. And this is a regular rhythm in Jesus's life. And uh, not that anything we say is necessarily original, but this is especially not original or creative. But if Jesus needed to make time and be intentional about being in the lonely place with his father, being in the quiet place with his father. I think we do too. And another scripture I wanted to bring up was Matthew 14. Um, this passage is uh, fairly well known, but this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's interesting. This narrative starts with in uh, Matthew 14, verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples said, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and now the day is over. Send the crowds away into the villages, and they buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You need to give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring him here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. So you have this narrative, and right before this, uh, Jesus hears about the death of John the Baptist, and he wants to go withdraw to that desolate place. There's that word again, by himself, to pray and grieve, um, to be with his father. 
And then these crowds come and he heals the sick and he ends up feeding them. And then right after he feeds them, uh, verse 22 says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. See, Jesus is is always, it's often throughout the Gospels, he's, he's making time to be alone with his Father. Um, and, and this is given the circumstance. He had just heard the death, heard of the death of John the Baptist. And he's like, I need to go be with my Father. And so I think throughout the Scriptures, and specifically in Jesus' life, we see it as both a proactive rhythm uh, to stay in communion with his Father, but also reactive to what happens in the world and to the chaos. Again, to allow uh, the sediment in his heart, in our hearts, when we practice it, to settle. Yeah, that's good. Um, as you were, I didn't plan on going here, but as you were talking, I was thinking about Jesus even saying that I am the true vine and you are the branches. Mm. And... Um, I think a lot of times we think of ourselves almost better than Jesus. Like, I don't need God or the Father. I don't need to have a rhythm of rest or a silence of solitude. Or um, it's, a, it's almost as if we think we can do it in our own power. And my experience has been so far, when I do things in my own power, they fall flat. Or they may be very successful for a short time, but in the end they fall flat. Um, and it's done because I think I can do, do it without God. Uh, without my father and without uh, re-energizing or just connecting with the vine. In this case, um, John 15 says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. Yeah. Um, and if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so as you were talking, I'm just thinking about like, where do we draw from? If you're, I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, drew from the Father in times of uh, need of connection uh, in order to minister again, to teach again, mm-hmm. to interact with other human beings again, right? right. Uh, so he was pulling away to interact with the Heavenly Father so that he'd have the bandwidth as God even in flesh uh, to do the things that he was sent to do. Um, and we need to have that same mindset of being tied into the vine, um, tied in with the Father and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit and allowing God to uh, do some ministry through us. Uh, was there anything else that you had before I move on in your notes there? Yeah, just one more thing. I think you mentioned earlier, uh, we fear rest uh, or we fear silence. Um, and it, I was thinking about this, and then when you quoted John 15, where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, it made me think about it again. I think we fear rest and we fear silence because we're admitting that we don't have the control. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to be in control. We like to do it our way. We like to keep going and be busy. Um, and that poses a great threat to our spiritual life. Um, and I, it made me think of Psalm 46, verse 10, be still mm-hmm. and know that I am God. And I was I actually meditating on this the past few days. Uh, that's a command. Be still and know that I am God. And it's interesting that he says that God's telling the psalm writer, know that I am God, because it's in our stillness we admit that we are not God, and God is God. And so I think we we fear rest and silence because it's admitting that we aren't God, and we aren't in control, and we need to let God be God. Absolutely. Um, 
So with that in mind, going back to 1 Kings 19, and if you were here Sunday, you've already heard this message, but if you weren't, maybe this would be a word of encouragement to you. Um, we've been focusing on Elijah um, in this specific passage after Elijah has defeated um, the prophets of Baal um, as the Lord has provided rain. Um, let's just say Jezebel was not real happy with what had occurred there. Um, and so she basically makes a promise to pursue after Elijah and kill him by the end of the day. And as you mentioned, he went a whole day's journey into the wilderness. And even reading that within context, that is not a light matter. Like he was running for like leaving uh, death threats for an entire day into the wilderness. Um, there's not, not very, how far would you go, I guess, to escape, uh, what's going on, uh, around you. And so he does this. He sits under the broom tree, says it's enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. And so he kind of gives up. Like, I don't see, I don't see the potential outcome of good that can come from what you've called me to do, Lord. Like, what is going on here? Um, and I can relate with that. There's been times when you do everything God's called you to do, and the consequences seem, like, just mean, not from God, but from external forces. Um, and you just feel drained and worn out and don't understand uh, necessarily why pursuit continues towards you in a negative way. Um, and God meets him there, right? Um, he, he meets him there. He gives him food, gives him rest. Um, and then after that, he sends him off for 40 days and 40 nights again um, to Horeb, the Mount of God. And, of course, the next passage in here is one that's really popular. Um, he's crying out to God saying, you know, am I the only one left, basically? I'm paraphrasing big time. But am I the only one left in the world that honors you? And, like, this just feels he's alone and feels like God is not present. And so in sometimes silence and solitude actually pushes us and forces us to come face to face with what's really deep inside of us. Like, um, and he's really struggling with the call that he's had on his life and the outcome of that call, uh, feeling alone and abandoned and doesn't understand what God is up to, you know, and then he cries out to the Lord to meet him in that place, um, in silence and solitude. And you have thunder and lightning and you have fire and just like these major things. But then the, most popular or memorable part of that passage is God comes in a still small voice. Mm-hmm. Um, the footnote that I have under that is a, or a thin silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really interesting phrase. Like God answers in a thin silence. <laughs> like, are we even quiet enough after all the noise that we're seeking answers in um, to have an encounter with God in that thin silence to hear from him in that moment um, and God answers him, and he answers him in a mighty way. He says, listen, not only are you not the only one left. Um, in verse 18, he says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. 7,000, that's not a light number. It's, I mean, good grief, I show up and there's three other people that like love Jesus. Like That's really I'm, let's roll, you know, and God has said the father saying to him, no, I've, I've reserved 7,000 other people like you. Um, and so silence and solitude, God meeting us in that silence, in that place uh, to answer our heart, to answer our mind, to deal with the conflict that's going on within us of feeling alone. We have to pause long enough to hear from the Lord in that moment. I didn't plan on asking this, but how, how do you think we can practice this in our daily lives, uh, but also in the church life as well like how does this play out you think what are ideas or thoughts you have about that i was going to ask you that question 
but since you asked me. <laughs> well, we can both answer them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a couple tension points here uh, because you mentioned uh, when we slow down long enough uh, to hear the voice, the still small voice or the thin uh, silence, I think you called it, of mm-hmm. God. Um, a lot of things can rise to the surface in our hearts that may make silence and solitude a fearful thing to enter into for fear of what we're going to feel and experience, what's going to rise to the surface, what's actually in our souls so buried deep beneath the busyness and the rush and the stuffing down of our emotions. And I just, that's understandable. I mean, it is a fearful thing, but on the flip side, I think if we are fearful of it, I think that is a sign that we ought to enter into it. Um, and so how, how then do we do it? How then do we practice it? I might say on the individual level, um, it's something we need to start slowly. It's the idea of starting from where you are at, not where you think you should be. Um, and so if you're listening to this and wanting to implement some of this into your life, I'd encourage you maybe start with five minutes a day. Uh, and this silence and solitude for five minutes is uh, no, no background music. Uh, no phone by you, no distractions nearby. And to be in the silence, literally to hear like the din of silence ringing in your ears. Um, and just sit there with God. And maybe you'll be led to prayer. Um, I think sitting in God's presence is prayer. It's communion with him. Um, and I'd encourage you to practice it for five minutes a day. Um, and eventually, as you stay disciplined to that, uh, you, you'll you probably begin to long for more of that time uh, because you feel the sediment start to settle and it's something you're going to want more of. But it will take some discipline up front and some facing of fears of realizing what's actually in there. Um, and for the church and how to practice it as a church, how do you think we should do that, Steve? I think we've been... we try to be intentional at times to just literally stop like mm-hmm. setting up a scripture or a thought about what God is up to and just sitting in silence and solitude, like reflection with God uh, for, you know, three or four minutes. And I know it's awkward to hear the, you know, hear the lights buzzing above our heads or a baby <laughs> crying in the background. But every time that occurs is like, every time I hear like a baby cry or something, it's like God's faithful and good. And I like even uses that moment of, of, of life in that, distraction. Uh, so we try to create those moments as well. And we're going to work towards that even more. So I think mm-hmm. over this next year to creating an awkward silence where we have <laughs> to just come in contact with God in our own thoughts. And I think the church, the advantages, and don't take this wrong. Those of you who are listening, you're a captive audience in that moment. Like you're not, if we offer that few minutes of silence, you're not going to talk, you know? <laughs> and so you're almost forced to do something that is unnatural. And hopefully in that the Lord will be able to use that moment as a, as a full gathering of believers coming together and just that moment to reflect on God's goodness uh, or whatever it is that he's trying to speak to you in that moment. So that's that's going to be kind of our approach, I think, moving forward. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking about a number of us like hunting or hiking mm-hmm. or woods or taking walks or like redeem those moments. Like if you're taking a walk, you know, think on the Lord or, you know, if you're driving, Obviously, don't close your eyes and pray, but shut the radio off and, and, and ask to encounter the Lord in there as well. So what are moments that we can also redeem, I think, is a question sure. that was going through my mind. So, um, 
I wanted to read a couple scriptures quickly. I know we're almost at 20 minutes here, so thank you for bearing with us. Hopefully it's been a blessing thus far to you. Uh, but from 2 Corinthians 4, it says, uh, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that's kind of been, uh, especially with Silence of Solitude, at this season of life. I've been thinking a lot about the news. I've been thinking a lot about mm-hmm. inflation and gas pump prices and all these things that um, we see and are very overwhelming, uh, especially those of you on fixed incomes. You know, you can't earn more money. And I think they can become distractions from the kingdom of God when our mind becomes so overwhelmed that we're so concerned about those things that we aren't seeking the Lord. And we're also not asking God, how can you use, still use even this for your glory and others' good? And um, so that's been rolling around a lot in my head when it came to this specific topic um, of silence and solitude, of reflecting on God's goodness in spite of what we see going on around us. And the king of this world, the prince of this world, has been very busy, uh, but we serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords who's overcome this world. Um, and to keep our eyes, that's our job as, as ministers of the gospel, to always try to encourage one another to turn our eyes away from this world, which is very broken, um, and turn back to God, in this case with silence and solitude, reflection, and then re-entering the world with what God has told us to do and being faithful uh, to be obedient in carrying out what it is that he's speaking to us. Um, we always want to turn back to that. Like when we encounter God, he encounters us. Now what? Now go live. Go be the person God's called you to be in a world that's desperate for hope. So do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I think how can we, you know, we started this with remaining kingdom focused during times of chaos. Um, And I think getting away from the cycle of news and the busyness and how we move very quickly through our day uh, can help us remain kingdom minded, like you were just saying, and uh, fixing our minds on the things that are above the things that are unseen, like you just read in that passage in Second Corinthians. Um, and I just encourage us and our listeners, uh, let's keep walking in this. Um, let's let's go and seek the Lord in the Eremos, the, the lonely place, the quiet place, and, and be with him and allow him to renew us. It's good. There's four things that I challenged us on two weeks ago, and these are uh, four areas that I'm trying to focus in. If I can remember all four at any given time, it's difficult. But be prayerful, be thoughtful, be watchful and be faithful. I'm trying to put these to memory so that it's practiced, not just talked about. Be prayerful, thoughtful, watchful, and thankful. So thank you for listening and tuning in. If you do have any other ideas of what we can talk about, feel free to let us know. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments, questions or feedback please feel free to reach out to us as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come we encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of god where you work live and play blessings